All right, welcome everybody. This is Camera Noise. I'm Stefan Santa Cruz, and I'm here with my boy, Maddie. <laughs> Maddie Fitz. Um, I'm an amateur filmmaker, musician, and cartoonist, I'd like to say. Maddie, give him the lowdown. Uh, freelance illustrator. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> Yeah. I work in a retail store. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, I, I, I don't do those things for a living. <laughs> I forgot yeah. to mention that. <laughs> um, yeah. But we're both avid movie fans and music fans. And I think uh, for anybody that knows us personally knows that that's generally what our conversations consist of. Um, so that's pretty much the gist of what Camera Noise is, um, along with some some pleasant happenings and quippy witty dialogue uh <laughs> some uh <laughs> banter yeah <if> you will <laughs> um anyway so we're gonna start things off with the trailer yeah <laughs> um so we just both watched the newly released final trailer for x-men apocalypse uh, what did you yes, think of that? Tra- what did you think of that trailer, Matt Matthew Fitz? Um, I just don't like Brian Singer's X Men movies, man. Like, yeah. Don't just, hold I, back. <laughs> yeah, I just can't get into them. I mean, I think he he really gets some moments that like channel the inner like comic book fan and child in me. And I'm like, yeah, you got that one part. Right. But that's usually it. Like there's like yeah. one standout scene or a couple in the films where I'm like, cool. I really enjoyed this. This felt like an X-Men movie. And then I go back and watch them like a couple of years later. And I'm just like, he missed the mark. He, he didn't capture what X-Men is to me. Um, yeah. Um, with the I new trailer, I, I've, I've, I don't like the look of Apocalypse. I just haven't since day one. I feel like they've kind of muted his colors a little bit um, to try yeah. to make him look more like the Apocalypse I know. And I, I don't care about taking artistic liberty. like, But I just don't feel like he looks like Apocalypse to me. Right. And I, I, I would really have liked, I don't need him to look like the cartoon or the comic necessarily, but there needs to be those like aesthetic qualities to him to make me go, yes, I remember this from my childhood. I re- this is Apocalypse. And just a newly redone apocalypse but you know i just when i when i see oscar isaacs which i'm excited he's playing apocalypse i think he'll be like great in the role and be yeah probably menacing and terrifying and everything you want from apocalypse i just don't he just doesn't look like it and that's one thing i don't like about uh apocalypse going in i also feel like the dialogue for Jennifer Lawrence's Raven slash Mystique character, it just falls flat for me. Like, I don't feel like she's a great leader. Um, also, I will say I'm very excited to see like a young Nightcrawler in it. I really hope they don't waste him for like one scene in an entire movie and then just have him like hide in the corner. I hope they're really hiding some of his really cool moments in the film for like kind Definitely. of the final battle stuff because they haven't really shown him that much, just little tidbits and stuff. Yeah. I, and I really enjoy Cody Smith McKee as an actor. I think he, or McPhee, however you say his uh, name, he, I just, everything I watch him and he's just, he like, like I have to watch him. I, his presence on screen is just like, I need to see what he's doing. He's really um, good. So, and I definitely for a young Nightcrawler, I think just how skinny he is. And, and uh, yeah, I, that looks cool. I just, I, 
I don't know, man. I I think the only thing that got me excited, even though I don't want it to happen, is when Wolverine's claws pop. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, but I like kind of don't want it as well. You know? <laughs> yeah. But at the it same time, it was the only thing that got me really excited. I was like, oh, cool. Like maybe he'll do something like Wolverine in this and not like maybe he'll kill some people or really fuck someone up. Um, yeah. So I'm interested to see what a part he'll play in it. Um, seeing as he looks like he has the claws back now or I got them to begin with because Striker yeah. shows up. So. I'm kind of right. interested in maybe like the little goings on in the in the trailer and in the film, but I just I don't know. I, I mean, I like the young cast. I like uh, a girl from Great Game of Thrones. Totally forgot her name. Uh, uh, Sophie and, Turner. Sophie yeah, Turner, I think. I think she's going to be a cool, a great Jean Grey, and she hasn't really said anything very much in the trailer. So I'm hoping her performance is just you're just going to watch and be like, well, fuck, she's Jean Grey now. So. Yeah, and then I like the kid who plays uh, Cyclops because when, like Joe and uh, Mud, he is really great in those films. Okay, uh, I'm in like a more you know just like see so what he he's got to offer for Cyclops, you know. Yeah, um, but um, I don't know. I just, it's just I'm just kind of go. I'm gonna see it, but I'm going in with reservations. I'm expecting to hate it. I'm hoping yeah. maybe I'll come out kind of like a Batman versus Superman and just be like, oh, that was a lot of fun. That was one of my favorite X-Men's. Like, after first class, this will be number two or something, you know? Yeah. I'm hoping that's what happens. But I'm really afraid I'm going to come out and go, what the, what, that is the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just, Brian Singer, me, just, he can't, he doesn't get what makes comic book movies cool, man. And I think everyone's saw that when you when we saw first class like you have a director who gets like the hokiness of the comics but also tells right. a compelling story that keeps you going for two hours and 30 minutes and he picks good villains like kevin bacon or sebastian shaw I was like there's no way like sebastian shaw looks like this but kevin bacon up there i was just like you did it oh he you was did great he's great like matthew vaughn gets gets that genre i mean movies he's doing preview yeah. like kingsman is very much like a comic like it's a based off a comic book and kick-ass he just gets that he gets what makes those films how to translate them from a comic book to the big screen and kind of cut out like the cheesiness yeah. of comics but also leave a little of that in there so it doesn't seem so foreign to us because you can get away with so much more in a graphic novel or comic books than you can on film like if something's straight adapted most of the time there's always that weird like am i watching it what am i watching because i feel like watchmen sometimes plays off like that because it's so straightforward that it's just based uh, off a comic book and nothing's really been changed that sometimes yeah. you're like this doesn't feel like a movie it's just like i'm watching the comic but i'd much rather read it yeah it seemed to be a trend at the time uh that and like sin city and stuff the way that they were doing like kind of direct uh imagery from page to screen um yeah i i've seen this trailer the x-men apocalypse trailer twice now uh the first time i saw it i had that same kind of feeling i'm like man my first initial reaction is like this looks not very good it doesn't look mm -hmm. so bad it doesn't look you know mark stephen johnson the first gi joe bad yeah. but it doesn't look it just it doesn't look very good to me 
But um, the second time around when I watched the trailer, I was like, but it does look like it'll at least be kind of fun. It seems like they're paying um, they're paying attention to some of that fan service and starting to it's starting to evolve into something more recognizable uh, to the X-Men that I think our generation is most familiar with. Um, you know, Matthew Vaughn, like you were just talking about, he kind of tapped into the late 60s, early 70s kind of vibe of the uncanny X-Men comics. And he really, you know, he really brought to life the kind of espionage type of feel that those uh, earlier comics had. And it being an earlier story prior to the more edgy stuff like the Wolverine stories, the Storm stories, you know, X-Men Blue and Gold teams, you know what I mean? Yeah. So now it looks like they're starting to take a little bit more from the later Chris Claremont, Jim Lee era. But yeah, like you're, like you were saying, it's really it really is just like not hitting that satisfying mark yet. Um, yeah. I think I think Oscar Isaac's Apocalypse looks okay. I think it looks cool. I wish they would have done something different with his voice. I feel like his yeah. voice sounds a little too Weasley to be. Um, very imposing you know what i mean uh in the i was watching the i was watching the episode that it seems like they based a lot of these plot points off of um yeah there's you know the x it's called apocalypse the x-men episode from the 90s cartoon that was on fox and his voice is like a lot more deep and he's so dramatic and you know it's like yeah. <laughs> it was very theatrical and this one he's just like from the ashes of their world we will you know yeah. <laughs> just like it's yeah. just like i don't know so there's a lot of cool things in it it's a lot of cool little moments that seem fun but like overall i'm just uh i'll just have to see it when i believe it and and like you were saying i think brian singer it's just the wrong guy to have, you know, he has an iron grip around these movies. You know, it's really his making a career out of making these X-Men movies. And he probably yeah. as a producer owns a, a good deal of the rights to be able to do them. Probably his production studio. So, or bad hat Harry or whatever. So um, they, you know, it's kind of, you know, I'm waiting for the day that we'll get the, the Russo brother, the post Russo brother, post um, Captain America Civil War, uh, X Men films, where we get Wolverine in a really cool costume. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we're kind of—I feel like we're kind of coming out of this age of realism now. We're getting getting into an age of like you know, kind of pop art, I would say, where where anything goes and and you know, just like. Who cares about the scientific explanation for why certain powers exist or whatever? Like that's not what we're here for. We're here to see those powers in action. Let yeah. our imaginations, let our imaginations, like create that, that belief that that powers. You know, it seems like to try and sell those really dramatic uh, and you know these really like profound lines of dialogue that they're trying to aim for in order to sell that you have to like embed things in a certain realism. But if you just kind of like, if you let it be more theatrical and let it be more bombastical, if, if you will, then, yeah. you know, you, you might start seeing just like my whole thing with the X-Men movies is just start having fun with them. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, uh, I mean, that's what they're, that's what I think they're missing. I feel singer is such a serious 
I mean, most of his films that are, yeah. are not like based off a of comic book are very serious films about very serious, like not not necessarily subject matter, but sometimes. Um, but like uh, the Usual Suspects is pretty serious, like straightforward, like thriller. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's I mean, there's like some dark comedy in it, but it's not a comedy or, you know, I would consider it a comedy. Right. Um, he, and then he, uh, like at yeah. Pupil is just yeah. uh, based off of Stephen King story. So there's, you know, and just kind of going off those films, like you kind of knew what you were getting into when you got an X-Men film from him. But by yeah. like the what was the uh, days of future past it's like you did it man you beat it into the ground that the x-men are different and mutants are different and we're trying right. to kill them all <laughs> yeah. and it's just man stop like just have fun with these yeah. characters like put wolverine in the suit i mean we've seen him yeah. in it we've seen it it looks pretty cool i'd love to see him like you know I, yeah i want to see just want a good wolverine movie yeah. is all i really want all so. they all they need to do is do uh the the movie begins during the the Weapon X program when he was not when he was being turned into Weapon X, but when he was an operative, right? And then you could oh, have dude. then you could have Maverick right there with him, and then he's next to Victor Creed, and they're on a mission. And then yeah. so Wolverine's his main purpose is to be that fucking like force of nature. So you have him in like kind of a replicated version of that X Men suit that we all know and love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like have these little visual cues. Because then you get to see Wolverine in the costume in a way. You know, it's imposing. It's intimidating. Yeah. It's Wolverine, fun, you know? Wolverine should open like Predator opens. Yeah. You know, just like guys in helicopters getting ready to do this thing. Fuck talking, yeah. saying shitty, like, masculine <laughs> jokes to one another. And just like, oh, my God. Like, totally. Like, you know, like, I love so, this. This feels like a, you know... And yeah. have him go through something and then do a little, like, during the credit <laughs> sequence, do the Weapon X thing. Like, kind of uh, just have, go through Wolverine's history and then yeah. give us, like, you know. After that, I feel you're, like, <laughs> after that you're in, sorry, after that, you're in Canada, right? And it's like, yeah. he looks exactly the same, but it says, like, 25 years later or something and like that. Yeah. He's in Canada and, and he's, he's at, He's at a bar outside of a, outside of his truck with a six pack, and he uses his claw to fucking pop the top. Oh, dude! And then starts drinking it, and then you get into that bear story where he has to hunt the bear and shit. Like, yeah, there's so. I mean, I guess they kind of tried to do that with James Mangold's The Wolverine, but that was another one. It seems. Yeah, go ahead. Plus, there's rules that. Sorry, um, there's just like Hollywood strict or or script structures or something that certain things need to happen in yeah. order for these movies to get this kind of budget, I guess. Um, and yeah. so it's, it seems weird because all the movies, like we think, we think we're getting what we we're we're expecting in a way, I guess, but then it to- takes these totally different turns because, you know, I don't know, they got to make a movie out of something, I guess, but they're yeah. missing the point. I thought like the Wolverine was like 85% there, man. I w- there's a lot yeah, of stuff totally. I really like about it, even taking some liberties in like Japan and some of that. But as soon as they do, a, like, why is there got to be a mech version of everything now? Like, I just want to do Nicole's right. adamantium silver samurai costume, yeah. just him having a samurai fight. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't need when to I see first... his claws ripped off, or it's just, it was yeah. such a waste, man. Yeah. To, I when know. I first. <laughs> When I first heard that they were casting Samurai before we saw anything, when I first read that, I was just like, applaud. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's going to be dope, dude. Wolverine versus, oh my God, how are they going to do Silver Samurai? 
and then jump yeah. to you know jump to a few years later and it's like wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. but um and that's the but, point like when you see the like the mech you're like oh my god you just yeah. ruined this movie man it was yeah. like it would have been the wolverine movie yeah, um, yeah and that's i, I mean it is so far till the new yeah. one comes out yeah so hopefully that and i don't know it's hard to tell anymore because it's the same directors and creative groups that are going in to make these movies and there's always this kind of like this unspoken promise that the next one will be better just let us set some stuff up and the next one will be better and it never seems to really happen except lately with the marvel cinematic universe which i i bet those i bet those executives and the creative teams behind the movies that we're getting from marvel are just like salivate get their hands on yeah. the x-men you know in a couple of years it's going to be a, a leak at fox you know some <laughs> and then and then yeah. you know it'll be a big diversion and then we'll get fucking oh and by the way the fucking x-men are are now owned by marvel again well who knew yeah <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, yes <laughs> but hey, yeah I, that's I, Oh, go ahead. I just have one more thing to say. The with in terms of like the span of the X Men movies from the first one, when I first saw the the very first one, I was like, it's it's good enough. Yeah. The first one, it's good enough. I'm in. It's it's awesome. And the second one, I actually think is a great movie. I think it's really good. Um, but then the third one is just not good. And then yeah. X and then First Class was great, but it it was also not. It was the story. It was the Batman Begins of the X Men story. It was Professor X when he was young, you know, and it was just yeah. a whole different type of story. So they could take a lot of liberties because I think the people that have been the biggest outspoken fans of the the Brian Singer generation of films um, aren't that familiar with the really old comics, and so I feel like Matthew Vaughn pulled that in. Uh, and then my last thing is, I the the what once I knew that. Uh, that they're just heading down the wrong road was when Days of Future Past, when Wolverine had bone claws, and and throughout the whole rest of the movie, I was gonna be like, we have to watch Wolverine with bone claws through the rest of this movie, and it's like there's this is the testament to how they're getting it wrong is they're sticking too rigidly to the the parts of the mythology that don't really mean anything, don't really matter. Um, and they're missing like all the grander scope of things, the things that people really love about the X-Men. Yeah. I think the worst thing that ever happened in this, the history of Wolverine was whoever decided to give him bone claws and make that part of who he was. Because Wolverine to me reading the comics was he just, he could heal fast and he had like this heightened animal instinct. And that's what made Wolverine cool. And then yeah. someone found out about all this stuff and then stuck these fucking cool ass knives in his hands. And that, that was it. That's all I needed to know. I didn't need to know that he had bone claws yeah. or like who he was as a kid. Yeah. Like the best thing about Wolverine is the mystery. Yeah, exactly. You well, know, his like, whole... like maybe you'll get a little tidbit here and there from the comics, but I don't necessarily need to know the origin of Wolverine. I just need, I want to read his travels. Do I need to know yeah. how it was for him growing up as a kid? I don't. I don't care. That's not Wolverine. That, that's not the Wolverine that I fell in love with. Not yeah. the kid Wolverine. You know? I don't know. It's just. I don't know, man. I feel like they're. You're kind of. I hope Marvel gets it. I would really like to see an X Men like Netflix series. Yeah. Or a television series be, done by a good company yeah. because I feel like that's the best way to do X Men is keep us in a like a series where yeah. new things are always happening where apocalypse can be a series of 
13 episodes because that's yeah. where that's when apocalypse will really shine you'll see how how much of a villain he really is but to tie put right. him in a three-hour movie is like oh because he'll probably die at the end of it knowing current comic books and yeah. how fox handles their series you know um yeah kind of well, going back to like so uh winter soldier when uh i forget when the guy who plays crossbones how he becomes and he's going to show up in the new one. I was like, yeah. that's great. You didn't kill that guy off. You could easily kill that guy off, but you're going to set up a new villain. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I don't know, man. I'll see it. Cause yeah. it's the right. little kid in me has to go well, see every well, comic well. book movie. <laughs> um, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, so I think overall the X-Men movies and we're still, it's been a long time since that first one it came out in 96, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so that's been fucking ten years, right? Is that? Am I right? Am I stupid? <laughs> Wait. Uh, it's yeah. This twenty ninety six twenty sixteen. So yeah, it's been like twenty one years, twenty years. No, I don't know how to count. I'm sorry. I'm high and I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a long span of those X Men movies, and it's still just kind of like barely scratching the surface of what is possible. And now with the type of movies we're getting from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and even DC now after Batman versus Superman, they're blowing the gates wide open. And it, it's not yeah. really, it's not really very, um, it's not really very uh, good on the part of Brian on Bad Hat Harry or or that entire production, the people who are doing the X Men films, because it seems like those films could have been made like three to four years ago and we'd already seen them you know what i mean and we're we're re- i feel like yeah. we're ready for something new with the x-men characters and something fun and you know just something that speaks to that the x-men fan that grew up in the like the generation that made them most popular and that was in the early 90s and we're yeah. those kids you know so um i'll definitely probably see i'll see it opening weekend but probably not opening night i'll give it that i'll see yeah. it on sunday afternoon <laughs> yeah it, it's definitely going to be a movie i'm like oh if i'm like off that night and, or if i'm off that day and can see yeah. it early i probably will but yeah. i'm not going to go out of my way to watch it uh, i mean i'll see it that weekend but you know, well, we're just like if any ex- if any just... <laughs> if any executives are listening right now, they're just like oh 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 oh. oh. <laughs> we're basically yeah. just like uh, you're gonna have our money that weekend, so back off. But um, Psylocke, yeah, right. looks, I mean... Psylocke looks good. Olivia Munn, I don't think I've ever really seen her act in anything, but she's gorgeous, and Psylocke looks pretty on point. Magneto's costume is pretty cool. Um, but I feel yeah. like I feel like they're wasting James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender's talents um, with the type of scenes that they're putting them in. The scenes that they both had in First Class were classic. They were some of the yeah. best. That's that's the best we've seen. Magneto and Professor X. And oh, dude! I mean, those two guys are powerhouses. As those yeah. two. And I felt like Days of Future Past just had these guys just like chewing. Th- through these really tedious lines of dialogue back and forth. And I was just like, so bored days of future past is not that much better than X-Men (laughs) three. Yeah. I, I think for me, 
it's they're just gonna bicker with one one another again through another entire movie. Yeah. Well, the other one's right, the other one's yes. wrong, and that no, yeah, and that <laughs> yeah, and I feel like they're wasted. I would have kind of maybe liked to have seen Magneto take a, a step back and not be a part of this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I love would, Michael Fassbender, but I would I, say I the just feel like maybe this needed to be yeah. an X Men movie with you Xavier bald headed like leading the first team. I won't be I happy. This. I won't be happy until I see the X Men uh, from the Claremont Jim Lee generation running up a destroyed, like beachside war zone, um, running at Magneto and Cyclops yeah. <laughs> blasting blasting Magneto's energy shield. You know what I'm talking about the the yeah. cover the cover of that first issue. Oh yeah, I know, dude. dude when I see I know. when I see that live in action. It's gonna be on, man. It's somebody just, oh, man. It's so, yeah. it's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite panels in that is, uh, I think they're in the danger room, and they're all like done training, or they're like a bunch of mechs come in, and uh, everyone kind of disperses to take them out, and they're like, "Where's Wolverine?" And he just kind of like pops up from concrete and has like robot parts all over him, and he's all battle damaged. And I was just like why can't they do this? Like I need to see Wolverine just like jump on something and tear it to shreds and then come off and his costume's completely ripped off. And you're like, well, I guess he's just fighting shirtless for the next like hour and a half of this movie. You know, I just, I need to see that. Like I need to fear that the X-Men can die, you know, like they'll go up against something that will destroy them. And, I mean, maybe, maybe apocalypse, maybe this will be the first time we'll see them really be at uh a moment. I mean, I don't know, man. I just, I don't. <sighs> Brian Singer just irks me. I really wish he would just give the franchise over to like some new talent or so. Like, I think James Mangold was an interesting choice for the Wolverine. I didn't expect it, but he can do fairly decent action. So, yeah. And he didn't really seem to have like, uh, he wasn't like, I, I didn't read anything where he's like, I love Wolverine so much. It's kind of like, this seems cool. Let's make a Wolverine movie. I make, I make right. decent movies. Let's do this. And I was like, cool yeah. if the script's good like this guy's a competent director he can make it look cool you know they were shooting it in see, japan it's like half the cast is all i want to see and <laughs> i want to see darren aronofsky's version of the wolverine I, I, what's the last thing he did nothing who black swan darren. what are you talking about you, you never saw noah oh i saw Noah. i didn't like it you didn't like noah oh i love noah that's the conversation for that's a whole other episode. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I would really like to see him. I feel like he talks a big game with franchises. Like, yeah, I'll do a Batman movie. I'll do a Batman movie that you want to see. And then he's yeah. attached to it. And he's like, just kidding about well, not it's doing behind, it. It's behind the door politics. Cause he, he would, he wants to make a Darren Aronofsky movie. You know what I mean? He was going to yeah. do, lo- he was going to do lone wolf and cub for a while, a samurai movie. And, you know, he just wants to make the movies that he wants to make. Um, but then, and I think that's where, that's where people get Noah. That's why people, so many people slept on Noah because it's, it's a good movie, but it's not at all what anybody expected. And for a lot of people, it's not really what they enjoy. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. I just don't think, I, I mean, I'm not religious. So to watch a movie, about it's, a religious see, that's, character well but that's why I, I also i under i understand the part that you're getting into because at parts yeah. i was like this is just like a fantasy movie yeah exactly um, that's like that's and, the one thing and 
that's why the parts of the movie that I did enjoy, I enjoyed because of that. But I just, I don't know, man. I just, I can't well, give a shit it, about watching Noah. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. See, in my opinion, and what I love most about Noah, and for people listening, since nobody watched it, apparently, spoilers. Um, well, it's, I did. It's... I have an opinion about it. <laughs> no. Well, Maddie has an opinion. you don't like it. <laughs> I mean, for the the listening audience. Um, okay. They, uh, you know, Darren Aronofsky, he tells that story like it's a legend, like it is a piece of mythology from somewhere else. And the costuming design was kind of out of time and place. Uh, so it, it was, to me, it was really cool how he took, because if you actually read the story, Noah, in the Bible, it's like three paragraphs long. And then yeah. the movie, the movie is a whole thing unto itself. And then I think what the majority of like mainstream f- film audiences went in thinking it was going to be like P- Passion of the Christ, like another biblical epic to remind us how shitty we are. But yeah. it turned out to be something completely, not so completely different in terms of showing us the 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 failings of man, but the way it went about uh, addressing those characters and that story took it out of the spiritual, not spiritual, but like the religious sect and kind of told its own story. Um, so that's why I like it. I've seen it a bunch of times. I think it's great. Uh, yeah. Which is interesting, but in terms of like <laughs> what we were talking about in terms of like him. Yeah. I guess he, he hasn't really done anything lately and nothing's really been announced. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Noah's one of those films where I will probably, like, it'll, five years will pass and I'll probably watch it again. Yeah, watch and I it might again. Have a new appreci- I might have uh, another appreciation for yeah. it. But I think when I watched it, it was just to kind of see it and just because, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I'm always interested in his films. I'm always interested in his films. I, I think he's a talented director and, you know, despite what you think of what, about Black Swan, if it's you know, a total ripoff of Perfect Blue, uh, I still thought it was uh, like it's like his horror movie. And it reminded yeah. me a lot of like uh, 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 Suspiria. It definitely had like an Argento vibe through like yeah. a, a talented director. Uh, and I yeah. really I like that. And just some of the imagery. And that was just very like it's a lot. Of, there's a lot of fucked up shit in that movie. And but to, for him to do Noah after I was just kind of. Weird choice, but I kind of get it because it kind of reminded me of the fountain a little bit. But I like the yeah. fountain more. Yeah, and I don't. I I just didn't. I, I don't know what I wanted from Noah. I guess something grander. I felt like it was very small, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. when you watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that might just be like be CG, and yeah. maybe not like it being is, on it a is. set. I think if we actually saw like a real ship being built. And maybe they did build some of it, but when you do like the pan away shots and you're like, oh, that's yeah. like CG and stuff. Yeah, I just that's, feel where, like, that's where it kind of fit into that fantasy kind of thing to me. It was like that matte painting at the end of Indiana Jones where you know it's a painting, yeah. but the way that they made it work to me, you know, a lot of, I think for a lot of people, um, maybe not yourself, but a lot of people, they get like taken out of the film when they when they understand how an effect works on screen if that makes any sense yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know like when people are like oh i can understand. i can see how they did that you know a lot of people are like i don't i wish it was more realistic or whatever maybe not but i'm always me personally like i'm always very uh into those moments when i know something is like a matte painting and 
and you have you know when you can kind of see the what is it the 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 man behind the wizard what was the (laughs) the, you know you can you can kind of see the puppet strings is probably a better way to see it that that kind of stimulates me um so i I, but i know what you mean you know and and in terms of like the on-screen story the plot and the characters as they unfold is very intimate it's very tight you don't really see a whole lot of people um other than in darkness or or you know shrouded by being a large group but uh man from from the from the music and just the just some of the artistry of his films i'm just like always 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 die hard fucking aronofsky fan um i saw that bitch in the theaters <laughs> yeah didn't he he did do a graphic novel right of uh yeah so in between the production of the fountain um uh, he did him and I forget what artist it was exactly, but they did a graphic novel version of the original script for the fountain, which is supposed to be a lot longer and a lot more in depth than the film was able to be uh, yeah. for, for many, many reasons. Um, and so I've actually never read the graphic novel, but I've, I've heard that it's like devastatingly sad. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, it, and it's, and it, it, it's supposed to be, it's what, from what I've read and from what I've heard from a few people is like, it gives you a better understanding of what she's writing in the book because they have, they're mm-hmm. able to, they're able to show you like pages of what's being written in the book and stuff. So I'm glad you reminded me because that is an Amazon wishlist ad <laughs> <laughs> happening right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, it's uh, always something I wanted because I really yeah. enjoyed the fountain. I just visually, yeah, I love it. musically, I thought, you know, I was excited when like Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett, I think, were attached to it. And then when Hugh Jackman and Rachel right. Wise, I was like, I was like, I don't think that's any, those aren't bad actors. I mean, it could have been, it could be worse. Yeah. No, know, it, it, that's I, easily I, my favorite Hugh Jackman role. Easily. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's one of my favorite. So cool. I, I'm a huge, I, I'll watch you Jackman in about anything. I just, I really like just the way he presents himself and the way to, yeah. did you see a uh, real steel? I never saw that. I enjoyed the hell out of that movie. There was really, one really ter- there's one really terrible, like rap dance scene with the kid and the robot. But besides yeah. that, I thought it was really cool about, you know, just a dad meeting his son, trying to get back together and then fighting yeah. Mex against Mex man. It's, just a small film. Like, I don't feel like those yeah. films are made. Like, if this, if that movie came out in the 80s, we would talk about it. I'm like, man, they need to make movies like real. But, like, you know, with CG and stuff, I feel like maybe some of that gets lost. Where if, if it was made with, like, you know, animatronics, it would have been cooler in yeah. the 80s. But we would have eaten that shit up. We would be like, I was like that little kid, man. Like, I wanted to be. I wanted to, like, have a robot friend, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I, I would say check it out. I, I really All like right. Hugh Jackman in it, and All right. it's one of those uh, movies that I feel like I should hate. But people, people are like that movie's terrible. I'm like, oh man, man, I enjoy it. I That's mean, I don't right. need a lot to have fun in the movie. So, yeah. but <laughs> That's how um, I feel about the last Mimsy. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, the last Mimsy's fucking great, man. That's great. Um, but anyway, movie. I think you so, said it was good, and then I was like, all right, I'll watch it. <laughs> it is good. But um, I think that we kind of went off on tangents there, which I think were great. I think I, a lot of those things needed to be said. Um, but is it yeah. is there anything happening like right now in in 
film or TV uh, that you want to talk about? Um, um, I was going to see if you watched the trailer for Neon Demon, the new uh, uh, guy who did Drive, Nicholas. Uh, oh, whatever. I haven't. Nicholas Windig Refn is how yeah, I'm yeah. going to say his name right now because it's the yeah. best I can do. I haven't actually seen um, that trailer yet. I'll watch it directly after this recording, but uh, once you describe to me and the listening audience what that shit is all about. Well, I have no fucking clue. It just looks cool. Um, no, uh, <laughs> uh, like all those movies, you kind of don't know what you're getting into until yeah. you actually see it. I, lo- I loved uh, uh, Only God Forgives. I, I, I like it movie. too, but I understand why people hate it because I hated it the first time. And I think it's only because I wanted just like, I don't know what I wanted. It wasn't that, but... Yeah, you know, I, I get. You know, I understand. Uh, his films are interesting, and I need probably need to go back and like yeah. read and watch it and to yeah. fully get it because I was really psyched for it after uh, Drive to right. see him do something that wasn't based on. Because I read the novel Drive, which really I really enjoyed it, and I felt like his Drive kind of missed the mark for me being a fan of the book. Interesting, um, but I think, but I think it's a really Ryan Gosling's too pretty to play the main character. That's all I'll say. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about the book sometime, but um, uh, yeah, but Neon Demon seems it has like Elle Fanning in it, and she's like wanting to be a model, okay. and it's just kind of the downward spiral of that. And it seems like there's a lot of like she's just like not all there. She she'll do anything to get to the top. It kind of reminds me of like a Black Swan, but told through the eyes of this director. And I know there'll yeah. be some like really fucked up imagery and just the soundtrack will be amazing uh i'm i just i'm really interested in what he will do with that so yeah for sure he um, you know you we were just speaking about aronofsky he kind of fits that mold um a little bit i think in terms of in terms of them being like very stylistic directors Mm -hmm. uh uh and so it's kind of like i mean if you think about his films from bronson to valhalla rising to drive to only God forgives to this, you know, and everything in between this guy has just like, he's just all over the place. And um, yeah. only God forgives plays out in a really kind of abstract way. I feel yeah. like it, it doesn't, it doesn't follow any kind of traditional narrative structure that I think most people are used to. Um, yeah. And I, I'd say the same for like Bronson and Valhalla rising, but drive was pretty straightforward. Yeah. And what uh, else? Did I, he I do feel like something else. He did the Pusher trilogy, but I That's haven't right. seen that. That's right. Um, but uh, I feel like Drive to Only God Forgives and Neon Demon, just stylistically, I feel like this is going to be his trilogy called something. Right. Because it all kind right. of has the same kind of color palette in it. Um, you know, I, I'm just interested to see after Neon Demon with it like kind of looking very similar to like color choices, like yeah. what he'll do after that, just to. Uh, just to see if he just, if that was like a little, like he just wanted to make these films and then he made them and let's see what he does next. But, but um, yeah, I, I just think it looks, looks cool. I, I'm always, a, I'm down to see what he, he's going to do next. It's always yeah, interesting. E- even if you like, I know people who hate only God forgives. I didn't hate it, but I understand why you would, you know? So, and those directors are always interesting to me because, I mean, they're doing something right if you have like divided 
you know, people are like this, but then people really love it. And it's like, well, why did, why did they love it so much? And I didn't like it so much, you know, maybe yeah. I need to watch it again. And I think some films deserve second, third watches. I know a lot of people are just like, I've already seen it once. I'm like, you probably missed like 20% of that movie that if you went yeah. back and watched it, you get this whole other perspective. But you know, that's a conversation for another time of, yeah. I'm I'm start I'm starting to be that way about things as I'm getting older. I'm starting to be more like take a second look, go back, like don't be so don't be so um adamant about your knee jerk reaction because yeah. you know, chances are most of the time we had a conversation about the new Independence Day trailer yesterday and yeah. you know, ch- chances are the second time around or, or the second look at these things, when I took a second look at that trailer, I, it seemed worse to me than the first time I saw it. The mm-hmm. first time I saw it, I was like, Ooh, new resident evil or new uh, independence day. And then the second trailer, not so much. So sometimes, yeah. but I think it's always valuable to you to always take that second look. And that was something that was really hard for me to do up until recently, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it does take a, a lot to kind of sit back through a movie. Usually the ones I go back and watch are the ones that like uh, people have said, like, that was trash, just like straight up. And I'll just kind of go along and be like, well, there was like a couple parts in there. But yeah, there were a couple parts, but for the most part, it was trash. Those films where I find little things that I like in them, but other people have kind of sort of convinced me that it is trash. But I'll yeah. always go back and watch that film again. Um I'm a huge fan of uh, getting back to Marvel and comic book movies. I love Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. It's one of my favorite Marvel movies, even though it's yeah, not part of the new definitely. new Marvel. But I just don't. Uh, besides Deadpool, I, before Deadpool, I didn't really think they were making anything that was yeah. just a little crazy, a little weird, and just dark. Because that yeah. movie's dark and just strange. And <laughs> having is. the crane guys do it, it just it, it just worked. And it's not for better or worse. It's not. It, it's not great. It's not a great movie, but it. Yeah, it's fun. It's on. It's and on I par. I think they really captured guests. Yeah, it's on par with like Punisher Warzone. You know, it's just like yeah, a yeah. nice, choppy little straight to video. Like, let's just fucking do something. And the yeah. way that those guys visualized Ghost Rider, that's what it was all about. Oh, dude. You know, it, it, and they they didn't really do too much in, in like the nighttime big city kind of thing. But they told their own story with this this really very flawed character. Yeah. Well, and it, and the, I, the, the 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 sorry the Mark Stephen I think it's Mark Stephen Johnson version the ver- the first one uh, the Ghost Rider film is just like that guy is like he's on my list of like most hated directors with a few other directors Ryan Johnson being one of them yeah um, oh man I mean I, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't know but, if I put Ryan Johnson there but I understand your gripes with uh, I, uh, his film so I but understand. but so in terms of Ghost Rider you know like the spirit of vengeance and the first film are such vastly different movies and you got idris alba and the story is not half bad man it's pretty good that's another one like it's important to take the second look because ghost rider spirit of vengeance is a pretty dope little comic gem you know yeah i mean like kind of when we were talking in our other podcast uh super house uh I was saying we were talking about uh, Alien and Alien Covenant and then maybe Alien 5 right. and whatever's coming with that. And everyone's like, I, I get this a lot. It's like, you like Alien 3 and you like Alien Resurrection? I'm like, 
for what they are, yes. Like, there's not a lot of alien movies. <laughs> like, you know? the like, fuck I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I'm not a huge fan of Prometheus, but I've watched that movie like six times, man, because I want to love it. But I don't. Right. But I'll watch it because it's just part of that alien universe. And every once in a while, I just want to go back and revisit it. <laughs> kind of like the AVP films, man. I'll rewatch those. They're shitty, but yeah. to I, me, <laughs> I, I eat that shit up, man. Right. See, and that see, uh, see that's another one is um, AVP Requiem is kind yeah. of on par with Spirit of Vengeance and you know Punisher yeah. Warzone. It's those little side low budget movies, and really, that's like those little low budget movies is really where you get time to shine with these characters because people are allowed to take some chances because they don't they don't have that giant broad mainstream audience that dictates you know how the future of these characters. It's just like how about we have fucking the ghost rider um i don't know light a cigar off of his own fucking flame head or whatever or just have a weird yeah. strange bit of dialogue kind of what guillermo del toro is, did with the hellboy movies you know it's just like yeah. nobody knows who the fuck these people are so let's just do some weird shit with them and i feel like back to avp requiem and the alien movies um you know, I wasn't a huge fan of the the AVP, the Paul W.S. Anderson films. I felt like they were just like completely uh, just like the kind of eighth. The, well, not even that. It was just like the eighth grader perspective. Yeah. It was like the preteen dork who just is like, you know, can't let go of his action figures, but can't talk to the cute girl at school. And, you know, it's just like, you know, he drinks a ton of Mountain Dew and is fucking, I don't know, not to not, not to knock anybody, but it just seemed like where the script was coming from and where the story was coming from and the design elements. And those are those first two uh, AVP sequels. Was there two of them? Yeah, there was just AVP and then uh, Predator Requiem. Okay. Right. So the, um, the one AVP movie I just was never a big fan of. Yeah. So, and then like Prometheus, um, I immediately, cause like from right from the very beginning. And sometimes this is the pitfalls of being like a, a movie obsessed. Yeah. Fa- fanboy who's looking for every little news tidbit he can find. Um, and I generally stay away from spoilers until I've seen the movie, but, I remember when Prometheus was coming out, there was a bu- there's a big stink like this isn't an alien movie, but it's tied to the universe, yeah. but it's its own thing. And then while I'm watching Prometheus, it's just like somebody holding their breath for two hours being like, I'm not an alien movie. I'm not an alien movie. I'm not yeah. an alien movie. And then the last frame of it is, I'm an alien movie. Yeah, dude. I mean, it, they have like the Geiger artwork it, like in it. And it's just like all this like, stuff from the alien movie. That's the thing that bugged the shit out of me. It's they try to stay so like, say they weren't an alien movie, but every, like every frame is a fucking alien movie, man. Like, except maybe the beginning. <laughs> as soon as they touch down on that planet, it's an alien movie from the get go. <laughs> yeah. Really? I mean, because then you're not... That's my problem with, uh, like, X-Men movies and a lot of movies now that are big franchises is, like, the the need to be... um, The need to be applicable to all audiences means that they're constantly restarting. They're constantly telling an origin story, whether they like to or not. They're constantly rebooting and not just letting things progress. But yeah. I mean, I guess that's just the way of the beast for like a giant franchise. 
that's why it's always great when like small comic properties get like a project green light with something like preacher or, yeah. or, um, or what else you got? Like some of the other films we were talking about and even like blade, you know, the first, the first two blade movies I think are great. Yeah, they're great. And they're so different. They're so different from each yeah. other. I, yeah. Um, Sometimes I forget about blade being a comic book movie. I don't know why, but I, yeah, it was in those early days when they were just trying to make anything comic book, I guess. But I thought those movies were great. They just had the horror aspect and like the action aspect. And it's like, I never read a blade comic book for the most part. I feel like generally fans of those comics really enjoy both those movies. Um, so I don't know, man. Uh, I kind of wish they'd go back to that. I feel also that I feel like some comic book properties just need to be television shows, man. I would love to see a live action X-Men yeah. like what they're doing with Daredevil and hopefully a Punisher yeah. and Jessica Jones and, you know, Preacher. It seems, it's, yeah. It's, it seems to be the future of, of this kind of thing. And I mean, if you think about it, comic books were always realized. These characters were always from the beginning realized to be an episodic content. Yeah. You gotta um, come back, man. You gotta keep coming yeah. back. Go back to the store, get that book. Yeah. Movies, movies are too much, you know, like for my money, for my, my particular taste, my favorite movies are one-offs, you know, my favorite movies tell their entire message and story and characters, you know, it's not about like, and that's why people say sequels suck so much because generally they suck because they're trying to create that episodic, um, kind of feel to things, Mm um, but it's just it's really hard to do on a on a grand scale like making a film especially like a 100 to 300 million dollar films that are being made um yeah. it just seems like television with like yeah like we were saying with Daredevil and Je- Jessica Jones and what they're going to do with the defenders it's like now they're starting to see that you hire no like like unknown actors good actors you know you get people who understand these projects you know i was thrilled to find out that drew goddard put together the whole daredevil um concept for netflix you know he created that entire thing and and for the for the listeners um drew goddard is the writer of was it he was the writer of cloverfield if i'm right and he was also he also worked on Lost uh, under J.J. Abrams, um, and he was friends with Matt Reeves, who directed Cloverfield, and ended up directing a bunch of other or a few other movies that are pretty good that escape me at this time. Kevin but you know, it's woods. just like these Kevin in the Woods, and uh, um, I don't know. I'm getting off track. But <laughs> so Drew Goddard did Daredevil. You know, it's like this name that not many people may know, but he's been attached to all these really interesting projects over the last few years. And I was just like, man, that's cool. And then after seeing the first season of Daredevil, I was like, hell yes. Um, so like, I think yeah, I think absolutely it would be the best move to see more of these things move to TV, especially with how good like the Flash, Supergirl, and Le- Legends of Tomorrow has been doing, and Arrow. You know, they're able to do. Yeah. It's no longer like you know when we used to have say for instance in like the 90s we would have or even like the the 80s have like the incredible hulk where everything's very still very down to earth very low budget very um you know in close spaces and stuff like that but now these these streaming networks and stuff 
um, they have so much ability and, you know, it's cheaper to do special effects these days than it, especially digital special effects than it has ever been. Um, did you ever, did you ever see powers on, on the PlayStation network with, uh, Chartol Copley? I didn't watch it. Uh, I had it when I was working at half price on my shelf for a while. And I go in and out of like, when I really like, I'll get on a kick of watching comic book, everything I can get my hands on. And then sometimes I'm just like, no. (laughs) And it was, was check it out, dude. It was, it was, it was pretty good. I, I watched the first two episodes. I didn't finish the whole thing because I didn't have a subscription to watch it. Yeah. Um, screw you, Sony. But I liked, <laughs> I really liked the first two episodes, man. They were good. And I really like Chartel Copley, who, uh, for the listeners, this is the actor from District 9 who played the main character and also was the um, the voice and motion capture for Chappie, which is, yeah. which is also directed by Neil Blomkamp, who is slated to do an Alien movie sometime in the next decade. <laughs> yeah. He also was um, the villain in uh, Elysium. Oh, right. He was the cougar in Elysium. See, Elysium is one of those movies that's just really... I, that's another one that deserves, I think, a second look. Because District 9 was so great, in my opinion. Was yeah so great. There are very few films in, in the sci-fi, cyberpunk, post-apocalyptic, dystopian kind of genre that have my jaw dropped. You know, the last one before District 9 was Children of Men. That really, oh, I'm, like, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like when people started to really, you know, this is not, you know, this doesn't just have to be fucking spaceships and lasers and goofy fucking um, racial stereotype aliens, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. sorry, sorry, George Lucas. But, um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, sci- our, our perception of science fiction doesn't have to lie within just the childlike or the fantas- fantastical. Yeah. Element kind of the way that Neil Blomkamp did and speculate for like District Nine and you know his other films. Yeah, I've, I, I mean, Elysium is probably my least favorite of those, but I, I thought Chappie was great, and I was expecting not to really like it. Yeah. Um, but you know, Dion word uh, Ninja and Yolandi Visa were fucking awesome, dude. I yeah. like that movie. Is great, you know, and essentially Chappie is just RoboCop, but kind of from the other side, it's like Robo Criminal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it follows in in maybe not intentionally, but it kind of does follow the similar structure to the original RoboCop. Yeah. And um, but I was just like, I was like that, like there are worse frameworks you can you can you can kind of like emulate. Yeah. Um, I mean, for it, your film, and when you kick back and you just fucking enjoy like artificial intelligence. What's the dude's name? The Indian actor? He's so great. Uh, Dev Patel or something like that. De- Dev Patel. He is amazing in oh. this movie. You know, that like father-child yeah. relationship he forms with, I you know, movies about eight. <laughs> yeah, when he has to jump into the robot body. Oh, I got to watch that shit. I'll buy the Blu-ray tomorrow, son. <laughs> it just reminded <laughs> me of kind of like... Uh, those robot movies you want like maybe like flight of the navigator or like just yeah. a more updated version yeah. of that kind of meets a robocop kind of yeah but with i, I kind of think with like what they try to do with like super eight was like kind of give 
kind of throwback to like that Spielberg kind of like the ET Amblin kind era. of yeah yeah like kind of give robots a heart like make you care for them and he he did it man he just like I didn't want anything bad to happen to Chad so. he was like a little kid yeah. and I wanted yeah. nothing but the best for him and like even when he meets like Diet yeah. I was like, no, don't get involved with these people. They're not good. But then he kind of turns them around to become these better people because he's trying to be this better <laughs> being. It's just a, it's, the, I, the thing, it's, the, it's a cool movie. And I feel like people who hated it need to watch it again. Yeah. The thing that's the theme of tonight's episode, by the way, is second look. Yeah, right. I, I just, I mean, it's art, man. Like, just because yeah. you don't like a painting the first time you see it doesn't mean there's the, the not, one, you know, when you get closer, you can enjoy it more. Yeah. When I love what I love about Chappie is that it's 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 violent, it's brutally violent and somewhat twisted, yeah. but it's also touching. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, it, it's, every, it's got everything a good movie needs in it, man. It's got some action, it's got some comedy, it makes you want to cry, yeah. you know, love story. One thing uh, I liked in that movie was how they how how ruthless they made Ninja out to be, you know, like yeah, there yeah. wasn't you you end up falling in love with that character because of how he how he feels for Yolandi's character who loves yeah. Chappie. He, you know the trickle down hierarchy of their strange family yeah, is yeah. very apparent. But you also see you also see how you know if Chappie wasn't there, the shit that Ninja's character would be doing would be absolutely cutthroat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they do a good job of making him very intimidating. Well, um, that and then you see a. De- I I felt like there was a different progression of that character that in any other director's hands or writer's hands, that could have right. just been a one note character. Um, but I think with like Blomkamp stuff, you kind of get these old like even with like District Nine, you have this guy who's transforming into an alien, and you get that like how much it sucks like when he calls his wife and he can't yeah. stop it. I don't know. I just I feel like he really gets uh just, what he's doing. He gets like sci fi. And for him to yeah. do an alien movie and like just the concept art of him bringing back like Corporal Hicks, just being like, you know what? Who, I don't even know what the story's going to be, but it seems like it's going to be, he didn't die. It's okay. Alien 3 is there, but right. it didn't really yeah. happen. You know, it was right. a dream or something, which I'm totally at this point in my life am okay to believe. You know, Alien, yeah. well, three, alien you know, Resurrection it, are just dreams <laughs> and that's fine with me, man. Like fucking looks yeah. right on, man. Yeah, Alien, Alien Three, and Alien Resurrection are the what if episodes of the Alien franchise, as yeah. as well as Prometheus. That's how we'll that's how we'll look at it. You know, um, I, I the, never thought Neil Blomkamp <laughs> would do an Alien movie. Like it never crossed my mind. Yeah. I never thought he would be interested in it. I feel like he was one of those directors. But like it's been done. It's it's been done. Cameron yeah. did it the best. I can't do anything. But I always thought he would be like really good for. I know he's supposed to do Halo was like his big thing, but that fell through. Right. But I, I was like, this that, guy, but... com- this guy a comic book movie, man. Like this guy I was, can make yeah. a cool fucking Wolverine movie, you know. I was um, I was never I was never the biggest fan of Halo, but when I heard he was going to be doing them and he did those shorts, those yeah. online shorts, I was like, yeah, man, I'm fucking there. But, but you know, he needs, you know, he needs that franchise that. You know, and Alien is perfect. Cross our fingers, keep our fingers crossed that that happens. Um, but, but in terms of you know, like he has his the messages that he's given us so far, like the stories he's wanted to tell. District Nine, in my my opinion, is a masterpiece. Elysium is probably something that uh, was either ahead of its time or maybe just you know, second certain, look. 
second look on that one <laughs> and then and then chappy chappy another one is just like you know it, it's a dividing divided kind of um love hate kind of perspective from what i've heard from a lot of people and who i've talked to about it but yeah. uh but you know i love it i loved it from day one so to see him do anything you know i think that's you know kind of you know what we were saying about nicholas winde greffin and aronofsky kind of the same thing is you know i will always be there to see what a neil blomkamp movie is all about and that's a testament yeah. to how fucking amazing uh district nine was yeah i, I feel like i'm gonna be an old man and have like grandchildren and i'll like a new trailer for his like last film like he'll be old and he's like he's come back to do this one film and i'll literally jump out of my seat yeah and my grandkids will be like who's this and i was like well we are watching district nine and chappie right now yeah you know like i'll have that like library you know and just like have to show them like oh these are pretty cool the effects look shitty and i'm like shut up <laughs> right on this was the best yeah well um, um so we've been talking flicks for about for the first hour of the show um hate to cut cut you off maddie or anything but, no, but right. we will it's a conversation that i don't think ever ends between he and i so we'll continue <laughs> that one on the next episode um in our next hour we'll be coming back with uh two albums uh that we've both been thinking about and listening to uh so we'll see you in a second And we're back. Actually, took a little break there. Um, we're going to jump on from the camera section to the noise section of camera noise. Uh, I'm Steph. I'm Stefan here in Denver, and I'm Maddie, uh, currently in Cincinnati. All right. <laughs> uh, so to start things off, we're going to talk about the new Deftones release, Gore. Um, how do you feel about gore, Maddie Fitzgerald? Um, I, I, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit um, through our other podcast, uh, Superhouse. Uh, I like it. I think it's a great record. Um, like I've said before, I feel like the Deftones, it sounds like a Deftones album, but I feel like they're always doing something new and just experimenting with their sound. And those guys are getting older and to still be doing that, that's great because I feel like some bands, you know, not to say a cheap trick comes to mind. I feel like you get a cheap trick album. It's going to sound like cheap trick and it's just going to sound like that, you know, but I feel like the uh, Deftones sounds like the Deftones, but there's so much more going on musically with their sound and how many guitars they're using or samples or, you know, I, I definitely feel like Chino on this one does uh, definitely some more, some different vocal stuff that he kind of did maybe more so on like his side projects, like crosses and team sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really like those moments. I also like that he's got, he's still got that fucking great scream, man. He just, no one screams like that. And yeah, I, I think it's solid. They're definitely, I don't have the CD in front of me, but uh, what is it? Doom user. Doom user is uh, great yeah, song. I, I really like that. I really like that guitar riff. It's just like a, it doesn't even sound, it's just, it's just like a cool metal riff and it doesn't yeah. sound like a Deftones riff, but it's just cool. It's like, you'd almost hear it on just like a rock album or something. But yeah. it's like layered with like a really cool drum beat and like, you know, just a, 
just other effects they have going on in the baseline, just everything kind of comes together and it just works in this weird kind of song. Um, uh, yeah, there's some tracks are kind of, you kind of gloss over, but I kind of went back and listened to it after we talked about it. Yeah. I can kind of sing them all now. And I know like how the verse starts for the first song. So it's like, it's getting in there. It's getting in my head now. And I'm just, you know, I, I, like I've said, I will always be a fan of the Deftones and I'm always going to check out anything they release. Yeah. Even if these dudes are making shit when they're like 80 <laughs> years old, man, I just, you know, and if it's just acoustic shit, I'm, you let's know, let's, so. see, let's just see what they do. You know, it's, it's always interesting. I don't, I feel like if they were out of ideas, we wouldn't have the Deftones anymore. And that's the way I'd want them to go out, you know? Right. Um, but I feel like they still want to be in this band and, you know, despite all their loss and terrible shit they've been through, uh, they could have easily called it quits and just kind of banked off of, you know, royalties off of some of their other songs, but they keep churning it out, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, we have, like you were mentioned, Superhouse earlier, we all, all of our friends, we do another podcast, uh, we're part of another podcast called Superhouse, which the links will be um, provided. But uh, we've had conversations uh, about this Deftones album from from all our different friends. And I think you and I, um, in terms of like our tastes in music and stuff are very similar and have always have always have been. Uh, yeah. And I, I've always been a diehard diehard Deftones fan so my first listen to the Deftones or my first few listens and then when we talked about it on Superhouse um, I was really kind of on the fence uh, but to be completely honest in the last uh, week or so I just have not been able to get away from this album I just I play it every day all the way through from beginning to end um, it used to just be like the songs that caught my ear, the little bits that caught my ear. And and my knee-jerk reaction was like, yeah, like it's easy to gloss over some of these tracks because they sound, for lack of a better term, kind of boring. Uh, in, in, in contrast to some of the older Deftones stuff, um, this being, uh, in my mind, like kind of White Pony. White Pony kind of ended the era of the angst and metal kind of Deftones feel and then they started to with Saturday Night Wrist explore a new soundscape a new style or just do different things and Chino's sidebands and stuff like that mm -hmm. so I've been really just I you know if you asked me a week ago two weeks ago I was like you know I said I think I said something like it's a good album but I don't really know why yet yeah. um, but but now 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 I know why it's uh it it definitely grows on you and then um every now i used i was just like i was kind of just didn't want certain parts certain parts were just seemed a little too soft for me when they would start off kind of dark and i want i love the dark deftone sound but yeah but it was like um you know doomed user is one of those tracks that has a very like metally riff that like you were talking about and it kind of has that taste that flavor of old um deftones like rap rock yeah. but it's so much different now so it sounds a little more punk but then the you know what they're doing musically now is just it's it has so much more atmosphere than the earlier stuff um so i just yeah i've been just like i've been every day in the last few days i've just listened to this album all the way through and have you know there are parts that i really love 
uh, in it. But I think they really pay off the most when you go through the parts that you don't love so much. And, um, and actually what has happened is like, I'm starting to really like those parts because I know the buildup and it seems like they put a lot more thought into this album than I originally gave them credit for. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of haven't been listening to it like, uh, this week, um, as much. I really like, soon as I picked it up, I really got into it. Um, I was just, all right, let's, because I made a trip to Cleveland to see our friend Joey, who was also on the Superhouse podcast with us, and I hadn't seen him in like 10 years and drove to Cleveland, which is like a four-hour trip, and that's a really great time to just listen to an album over and over again. I know people, some people can't do that, but for me, that's like driving and like listening to uh, a record is like the best way for me to like get into it, or like uh, when yeah. uh, Stefan and I lived in, uh, shoot, Chicago, we rode our bikes everywhere and we were always listening to something on our like, yeah. headphones and stuff. And that's I definitely feel like, it for me. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like you really get into that, um, just kind of immersing yourself in a small space with that. I, w- I also wanted to mention um, just I've been listening, like I've been listening to records and then like a CD and then kind of like coming back home and like, uh, I don't want to flip over a record. So I'll be I'll put on my uh, just like my iTunes and play something. Yeah. yeah a lot of the audio I'm getting on some of it um, is just like very, just like compacted. And I don't feel like I'm getting like the best of the sound quality. I can, yeah. like my car honestly sounds better than my computer, which my computer is not great, but yeah. like the record version, I've just found a more like, I feel like we kind of got out of this, like having a material object to like get this, like, let's get it now faster get it like that day. So I don't have to go to a record store right. and get it. And, but I can, just the sound of like vinyl and just like even a CD yeah. is just so much better. And, and you, uh, you you've um, always been a oh I'm sorry, but you've all, you've always kind of been a collector at heart though. You've yeah. always been you've always been very uh, uh, you know adamant about having the physical copy of of uh, albums and movies and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm definitely. Uh, I I like to be that guy who's like doesn't pull up the computer to show you something. I want to be like, oh, you got to hear it on vinyl, you know? Like I got to yeah. put it on, like get the record player going. I just it's it's more fun for me. I like sitting down in front of my record player and just like going over the liner notes and like looking at the gatefold artwork and you know just kind of taking in that. Like I and yeah. I just kind of miss that stuff. With, it's, like it's more. A, than, it's there's a, some stuff you can't it, find yeah, out there. A, so it's great to have a digital version of it if you want it but the vinyl collecting is a very like niche kind of hobby right now um and it sucks because i don't want to be that guy that's like i've been doing it before it became you know but well i think you know like working at a record store so i was just around it so i kind of jumped on it before it got as yeah. big as it was so well it's like i'm 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 envious of that you know my my uh I, I I have Spotify, so I generally just kind of like share things or save things to my list of albums and songs and stuff that I like. So I, I really enjoy that convenience of having it, and I hardly ever buy the hard copy. But, um, you know, just thinking about how, li- how you talking about how you're like sit there in front of your record player and just listen to the music. And I know how good vinyl sounds. I'm no stranger to it. But it's it's not something that's part of my ed- everyday life. But yeah. um, I think you know it's that it's that that next kind of level of being a collector and having the hard copy 
um, that is such a nice treat, you know what I mean? It's like such a nice thing to be able to provide for yourself to have records, you know? Um, and so when I think about the albums that I listen to and stuff like that, it's like, I know there are things that I'm missing. Um, but, uh, but I guess it's it's really just the dream, you know, I think and and for it to have like been kind of a trendy little niche kind of thing where people were pretentiously collecting vinyl. Um, I think at this point, it's kind of in a nicer place. I think it's in a place where um, there's a lot of that pretension about you being a vinyl collector is kind of gone because who really gives a shit? And if yeah. you're a true music fan which, you know, uh, much to my discredit by definition, I think you really have that, you know, like you're willing or not that you're willing, but you want to have that physical copy of the best sound, the best quality audio you can get of that band. And, and at this point we're talking about Deftones and I'm just like, God damn, I have to hear that record, you know? Yeah. The thing that bugs me about the uh, Gore release on LP is it's like two LPs. And I have a big, a big complaint with like double LP stuff. Uh, yeah. I just feel like it's a marketing gimmick. Um, I mean, I've heard some stuff that like it's on a double LP, like 180 gram, and just it sounds great, man. Like it doesn't sound the way that like another, the other version I have of it sounds. Yeah. But I just feel like it's always going to this. Let's just put it on two LPs. That way we can charge thirty, forty dollars for it. And it's it's like who are you getting this to, man? Like. Yeah. What Deft like? I mean, I guess maybe Deftones mm -hmm. like growing up with them. You, I mean, as a 32 year old, maybe I should be making more money and be able to afford that. But I, th I think that's I, every 32 year old's gripe. <laughs> yeah, it, but you know, I mean, I still like I'm making decent money now, but I still don't. I can go buy like two, three records off a website of new stuff I haven't heard, or just a band that I'm really into and want some of their early stuff. You know, for the price of one Deftones. LP. Right, right. So, so why do you think they do that? Why do they split them up in the two LPs like that? I don't know, man. I think it's just a marketing gimmick. I mean, those songs aren't super long. Um, yeah. Because I know, uh, like, Death Heaven's new record, New Bermuda, uh, it's only five songs and it's on two LPs. Why does it enhance the audio quality? You think by by? Yeah, I think it does. But at that point, it's like it's only five songs, and I don't know, man. Like, is it that good? But they're like 16 minutes long, right? Yeah, they're like 10 minute long songs, but I feel yeah. like you could fit that on too, you know, yeah. or just one LP. I just feel yeah. it's just, but then charging like $25, $26 for it is, it just blows my mind. Because mm -hmm. I mean, when you get down to it, it's five songs, you know, yeah. despite their length or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, I kind of look back at like the Discord days or just some of like the early punk or like what, um, like what Death Wish is doing. Um, I just picked up like a double LP, but it's two albums of their early, of early converged stuff. Cool. Like, like I don't mind that. Like it's two albums put together. That's cool. With like, you just flip it over. One artwork's on one side, the other artwork's on the back. Yeah. But, uh, and then uh, their album, All We Love, We Leave Behind, uh, their last, uh, their last album. It's on two LPs, but it's like 17 tracks, dude. <laughs> like I get that. That makes sense. But uh, I don't know. It's just a gripe I have. I feel like everything that comes out is like two LPs now, and it's it's just kind of frustrating because you I, I want to buy that Deftones album, but I also don't want to drop like thirty five dollars for it. Yeah, <laughs> so. for sure. It sounds like it's kind of a hassle. Yeah. Um, but back to the the Deftones album, uh, Gore. Um, 
Do, are there any standout tracks to you that you really enjoy? Um, oh my gosh, I wish I would have brought the CDM. It's just been in my car. Uh, I really like um, the first track. Uh, Prayers triangles. Yeah, I really like that one. Yeah, I like that I like one a Do- lot too. I like the I like I like Doomed User. Um, sorry, I'm like pulling up Spotify right now. To oh like, yeah, yeah. Take take your time. Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just say the ones I really like. Um, first, the the track that stood out to me the most, and we've talked about this, uh, is Hearts Wires. Um, I feel like it's it's just like the gem of this entire album. It's when everything came together and everything just became right. Uh, yeah. And I've listened to it on repeat. That song alone, just nonstop. I generally listen to. I generally am listening to music pretty consistently throughout the day. Um, but when I really started to fall in love with this album was like on my commute to work in the morning, um, and just listening to it, uh, during my bus ride, uh, has been really great. Cause I'm just kind of in this dreamy groggy state where I'm absorbing things and really listening to things in a very sensitive kind of way. Um, and I've just noticed little things throughout the album, little, little moments that, you know, thinking back to my first listen, um, they were there, but I didn't fully recognize them until now. Now I'm starting to learn the album. I'm starting to piece it together in my head and know what comes next. Yeah. So it's been, it's been really cool because now I'm like, it's a very, like the album flows really well. And then, then by the time you get to the last song, which I think is called Rubicon, um, you get to the last song, it just ends. And the two songs yeah. before that are pretty kind of epic, you know, in the way that they're yeah. approached. And Chino's vocals are very uh, airy and there's a lot of atmosphere. You know, it's not we're not just like in the garage with these skateboard kids um, in in late 90s California. You know, now we're in a vastly different landscape and their music is starting to reflect the, them as they get older, um, watching those Jimmy Kimmel performances uh, were great. Like these guys, they, you know, their, their stage presence and their live shows. I'm really excited to see them on tour. Um, um, But just in terms of standout tracks, sorry, I digress on that whole thing, but uh, uh, standout tracks for me, definitely prayers triangle doomed user is good. Geometric head is one that I'm starting to really fall in love with hearts wires um and i uh uh what's the one uh romant what's something bride phantom bride phantom bride and then the one with the latin kind of name i forgot what that yeah. one's called <laughs> Terra Infamante. Yeah, uh, yeah so all these it just like when i first listened to this song i was like i like three songs off of it it's it's i love the deftones but it's whatever but yeah. now I'm like I couldn't be com- I couldn't be farther away from that first perspective. Now I'm just like holy shit! This is, you know, for me this is, um, it, it's that it's that transition you need to make with bands when they're growing. I think when they release the self-titled, when I first listened to it, it took a lot more of me convincing myself that the album was good than me knowing why it might be good. Yeah. And, and now that's, you know, that's one of my favorite albums is a self-titled. Um, but for, so Gore to me was that same kind of experience where like me sitting with it and me just 
giving it that second look, the theme of tonight's episode. Yeah, right. Um, giving that second look has really paid off because now I can't put it down. Now I'm kind of obsessed, which is yeah. crazy. So I just, you know, I just really love this album now. Yeah, I, uh, I, I feel like we have the same kind of standout tracks, uh, Prayer's Triangles, Doomed User. I like Geometric Headdress. It, like, it hasn't got there for me yet, but that Petura Infinite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that. L-M-I-R-L. Yeah. It's great. I, I, love, Pride. I, I love the beginning of L-M-I-R-L. Um, it's so dark. It starts to, it starts to approach a little bit of white pony kind of style you know it gets it's a little you know those lines uh uh i don't miss you i don't care where you are you're a ghost to me it's like dark and vengeful spiteful you know and then the song kind of takes like a lighter tone in the Mm -hmm. chorus and never really it goes back kind of the dark stuff but then it gets out of it and that was i had i still kind of have a problem with that song because the beginning is so juicy it's so dark and and sexy and fucking it's such a fuck you to whoever he's talking to and then the rest of the song is like well but i'll be all right (laughs) which is fine because i'm starting to kind of like fall more in love with what's going on in that song rather than just what i want it to be so i i mean and that's just kind of like you know, it's all about what these songs make you feel. And, and I've, I've, I've really been going through kind of like the highs and lows and the peaks and valleys of this album um, in a personal kind of way, just by keeping it on my mind. So it's been a pretty interesting soundtrack to my last few weeks. Um, I think the only song I really don't care for at this point is uh, the track Xenon. Yeah. I just really haven't been able to get into that one. Yeah, it's it's pretty forgettable for me too. Um, mm-hmm. I was just I was looking at them trying to. Yeah, Xenon and Gore actually. Those are the two. I'm just like whatever. <laughs> yeah. But everything um, else. I was I was kind of let down by the title track. I was really expecting Gore to be something that was just like super heavy and just be something. I guess what I wanted was kind of like a, a elite off of White Pony, just something that heavy again because I don't really think they've matched anything like that in a long yeah, time yeah and i was kind of hoping gore was just like with the flamingos in the back on the coat like i just wanted that song to be like oh shit these guys could fucking rock man like they they still got it like just that one track just to remind us and then phantom bride right after that be like let's yeah. mellow it out again i think it would have been a really nice uh interesting uh take to do that like kind of like what they because when, uh, I still think Elite's probably their heaviest song I've ever heard by them. Um, that that one's off of uh, White Pony. White Pony. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, just. They, I think Boys Telephone Girls or whatever that one is is probably my pick for hardest. Um, yeah. Most like like kind of hardcore sound, you know, where he's just really screaming through most of it. Generally, their songs are pretty sing, singy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I, I like that every now and again, and maybe it'll be on whatever they release next. Is they're gonna they might do a more hard, like harder album because I feel like they go back and forth and do that sometimes. They're like you know what, we've mellowed out for like two or three, so here you guys go, we'll give you a mix or something. So right, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do after Gore. Um, oh just, oh yeah, at this point I'm like, you know, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Saturday Night Wrist, and we've talked at length I think about yeah. that album. Um, but there was a lot going on then and 
uh i was really into diamond eyes i thought was i think yeah. it's just such a great album and koino yokan um i like but it's another one of those that i think i need to revisit uh yeah. after after hearing after how much i've started to like gore um i think you know koino yokan diamond eyes are kind of this trilogy of albums that that share the same sound but are experimenting in in kind of the same uh pool uh if you will yeah um, and and the one thing about the title of the album is i i look at that the uh you know just the artwork and the title of the album and i'm like in, somewhere in my mind i'm like of course uh the deftones made an album called gore i feel like it's kind of i, I wonder why they haven't made the album gore like so many years before this yeah. <laughs> you know something about that is just so deftones to me the, yeah. the name of the album so so i remember when it was I like just hearing it come out it was kind of su- of a surprise to me because i i just i didn't really I wasn't really paying attention and i didn't have an i i didn't have any idea that the deftones were making a new album yeah. and i kind of i kind of felt like koino yokan was was pretty still pretty fresh in my mind uh or still pretty fresh uh in general yeah, it came out in 2012, though, so it's been it's been some yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. So, so it, yeah, it was just like such a surprise, and then like the it took me like this whole album like took me by surprise completely. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I wasn't really expecting them to release anything, or I mean, I don't really like keep tabs on them. It's always Deftones like the nice surprise for me when I I kind of get to this point where I need something a little different because I've been listening to the same genre or just, you know, the same albums for like a month straight or something. Uh-huh. And then I feel like Deftones will release something around that time. And I'll be like, Oh shit. Yeah. I want to hear some Deftones. And like Gore kind of was that way for me this time. I was like, I was glad that it came out the day that it came out and like, I could go get a copy and just dive into it for that little road trip I took. And yeah, it's a great way to listen for any music for me, but uh, you know, a band this old and I've been following since like high school. Yeah. It was really great just to take this kind of like road trip to see a friend I hadn't seen in 10 years and yeah. listen to this band I hadn't listened to in like three or four. <laughs> and you know, it yeah. was just, it was a good time to have like a, a road trip with the Deftones, man. And I think that's why I like this album. And a lot, yeah. of my, a lot of my favorite albums might not be their best albums by certain bands, but most albums for me have a like special place, like something, some event has happened. I'll always remember Gore as being the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland road trip soundtrack, you know, yeah. <laughs> that'll always be, uh, you know, went to the rock and roll hall of fame with Joey and, you know, yeah. listen to yeah. it on the way back, man, that, that album will always have a special place. So uh, it's, def- it's definitely been reflective of kind of my emotional landscape, uh, lately, um, I just been really finding a lot of power again in Deftones the way I did when I was like a teenager, yeah. you know, you kind of like when you're like, you, you, you know, you don't want to go to work the next day and you're just dreading it and shit like that. Um, you put on, uh, uh, like hearts wires or prayers triangles or something like some kind of pump you up or doomed user, even something like, we're just like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> or or that beginning of uh l m r i l i love because it's just that like spiteful you know kind of like fuck you to whoever whatever past significant other <laughs> yeah. you know and 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 just listening to all of it i love the flavor of this album you know and it's like you know it, and to me and like um 
like a synesthesia kind of way it, it really reflects that purple color that is throughout the album like the tone of the artwork is very in my opinion very close to the tone of the whole album yeah if that, if that makes sense no i totally it's i've only the deftones to me have some of the best album covers for a band that should yeah. have darker album covers maybe <laughs> yeah. or, you know I think their most metal one is just their self-titled one with like the skull and the roses. Yeah. Self-titled that artwork to me, like I've considered, I've I've sat seriously considered getting that tattooed on me. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's the stark contrast of that black and white skull with those red and blue roses, and it was just like the attitude of it, and you know the 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 album. I always thought it was a, a pretty strong album. I think you've said that you didn't really feel like you felt like it was some of their weaker stuff. Um, but no, it's, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'll no, go. well, that that first track hexagram on the self-titled to me, you know, just like again, it's like what we were talking about. To me, like the tone of their albums yeah. has always been very well reflected in the artwork. I think the artwork for their albums has always been pretty a pretty pivotal. Well, after White Pony, because White Pony was pretty simple, but um, I love, as much as I don't like the album Saturday Night Wrist, which I'm going to start, I'm going to pay that one another visit now that we're talking about it, but yeah. um, just just how it's been for the last few years, the artwork on that album I love. I think it's yeah. so great. It's reminiscent of Around the Furs album yeah. cover art. And and it's reflective of that music. That music seems to me like very disjointed and kind of drunk, you know. And that album yeah. cover seems like a a drunk night out, uh, you know. Yeah, um, well, yeah I told you I told you that story about how like I guess they had like half of that album done, and then they kind of like broke up or hiatus a little bit. Yeah. And then they came back and finished it because they still wanted to do Deftones, and they still had half this record. And like yeah. Chino was just saying that that's probably like their weakest slash most disjointed album that they've ever released. And I think, yeah. and I picked up a really cheap vinyl copy for like, I think I ended up getting it for like five or six bucks because of my discount. Um, and I really think like listening to like the first five, six songs on side one and then flipping it over for side two really made me enjoy that album a little more. Yeah. But to go back to Defton self-titled, I love that album because I, after White Pony, I think they realized they couldn't top White Pony. It's like yeah, their masterpiece. Right. And, and I think, I, and I think I most love, fan. Sorry, I think most fans kind of realize that. Oh, and I, that's why I love that this is their only self-titled album. It's just called Deftones. For me, it was like this is the best of us. Like we've done our <laughs> best album, and now we're just going to make some heavy ass rock songs, man. Yeah. And and you know some chill out ones. And they weren't trying to prove anything with that record. I think they just yeah. wanted to release something. Maybe some of that stuff was kind of B-sidey stuff from White Pony that they kind of yeah. just read. And yeah. then after that, they kind of moved on to like, you know, like Saturday Night Wrists and like kind of their forward, what they went into after that. Yeah. So, so self-titled. I thought self-titled was fucking an awesome rock record, man. I mean, it was yeah. just in the footsteps of White Pony, which was still riding that wave of like, this is a fucking great record. And I think most people who enjoy music, yeah. even if they don't like listen to every Deftones record, know about White Pony and like, know enough about deftones that this was kind of like a i don't know man just kind of came out of nowhere for these guys yeah like, i don't think anyone that, expected that record that, to change the house of flies to sound the way that they sounded when that song came out yeah yeah, yeah. that was you know changing the house of flies was you you know that was very diff that there sorry i'm like stuttering 
<laughs> you love them so much. <laughs> there was um, change in the House of Flies was kind of a departure from around the fur, what we were used to. If you listened to their first uh, two. Uh, two, two albums, um, you know, change in the House of Flies was a lot more subdued i guess it wasn't quite as angsty and then when you heard white pony like white pony to me is kind of like you know their cure album or something it was a lot more it dwelled a lot more in that emotional kind of melancholy place and and you know i mean i think that says a lot about me i've always been kind of like i've always gravitated towards that kind of music and that you know a perfect circle um, alkaline trio or uh, whatever, you know, that darker kind of like, I guess it's kind of emo, but at the time that wasn't a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but any, but any, but anyway, so changing the house of flies was kind of like a new, a more mature sound. Yeah. And then, and then I think self-titled for me, that really, the sound of that album, the tone of that album um, really kind of defined that era for me. That was, that was first year of school for us, I think. Yeah. Um, when that came out late 2002, 2003. Um, and it was just that album. It didn't take me long to fall in love with that album in the way that I, that it has for Gore and it has yeah. for Koino Yokan. Um, and even, even Diamond Eyes. <clears throat> yeah. But, but, uh, but yes, you know, there's, that's what's, I mean, they, they kind of, you know, I think with self-titled kind of to, to point out what you were talking about earlier is they kind of, by just naming it a self-titled and it having so much attitude and being very different from white pony was like, listen, we're the fucking Deftones and we're not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like, we're going to, I mean, I, like I've said, like each album sounds different, but it's the Deftones. It's hard. I yeah. like, I don't know if that makes much sense, but it's, that's the best way I can describe a lot of their albums. Like I know it's the Deftones. I hear Chino's voice, but I feel like musically each album is a progression. You know, I don't ever feel like they've stepped backwards or anything like that. Uh, I I feel like people think the self-titled one was a step backwards from white pony, but I Uh think that was just a lot of aggression of maybe, you know, whatever they were going through and just, you know, facing the, like, how do we top fucking white pony? And they're like, we don't, we just be the fucking Deftones. And that's why it's self-titled. Yeah. And, you know, I think they probably there's probably a lot of studio sessions where they're like, well, maybe we like a lot of overthinking. And I think just to call it Deftones and just like Hexagram being the first song. And there's there's a lot of heavy fucking songs on that record, too. Yeah. More so than there are chill songs. I actually don't like their like kind of white pony-esque songs on that album. Really? Because like some of the, that heavy shit just so heavy, man. Yeah. You could, you could just it make is. it like a six, seven eight track record and it would just be like heavy as shit man it it really it really is and it what's cool about that album for you know for me the my favorite songs are like the first five man that whole album really like you pins and needles is so good um good morning beautiful these riffs are so good death blow are so good um the tracks near the end too they kind of you know, like you start off in a certain place, you're like, I love the Deftones. And um, I remember first listening to that album, I kind of petered out by the fifth song. And it just like, you know, it does sometimes with the Deftones, it seems like they're just kind of trudging through mud a little bit. It's a little tedious. But, you know, as a testament to Gore and some of their, and the albums in between, um, it, it really pays off to to examine what those, those, those really trudgy parts are because, 
you know, along with being a fan of Deftones and what, you know, how intimate and personal the lyrics seem, uh, especially in White Pony, especially in, in self-titled, um, it's, 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 it's like you get some of the story and then throughout their little news tidbits and stuff that you get the other pieces. So mm-hmm. I feel like any Deftones fan is so intimately connected with this band because they're kind of an open book. They kind of allow people in, you know, just recently with Gore, uh, Stefan Carpenter, the guitarist was talking about how he wasn't really vibing with what they were doing on Gore uh, guitar wise. Um, And then Chino came out with a statement after that, you know, just kind of speaking to it, but not opposing or saying anything otherwise. So Mm -hmm. it's really interesting what, what they allow like how personal they get with this music because i think ultimately when you listen to any one of their albums it it says it says as much about you as it does them in an emotional way and that's why i've always loved the deftones yeah i mean like i said i will listen to these guys till they not make any music anymore <laughs> I, yeah I, I could i feel like me and you could just talk about them all day long oh we, just, definitely, like, we definitely we definitely like, could just dissect every song on yeah. every album like Which i was just we should. Well, do do you have uh, any last remarks about uh, Gore or Deftones? Uh, I was just gonna say that if you're kind of if you're listening to this and you're kind of iffy about like I don't know if you just like don't think Deftones are good musicians, listen to their covers albums because the, any covers they do they they do the cover justice, but it sounds like a Deftones song, and yeah. I don't think many bands can capture like who they are and then cover a song. But it's yeah, like they, to hear them do like a Cure song or a Smith song. It's like, oh, that's the Smiths. But yeah, it's like the Deftones sure. doing the Smiths. <laughs> and it's it's just weird to hear those covers. And I forget how good some of those covers are. Oh, that they sure. just they put their spin on it. If they need to make it heavy, they make it heavy. If they need to mellow it out, they mellow it out. Yeah, those, they're just fantastic musicians and they get music and they have a lot of influence. And I think White Pony and uh, – was like them tapping into a lot of what yeah. they were like, what all, cause they don't all just listen to metal was, rock. We, we were just thinking, yeah. listen to one style of music, but I think definitely with these later albums, like Stefan refers to them as the trilogy. I feel like they're definitely tapping into like their covers albums. Like you'll hear like Smith's yeah. cure new, new order, you know, Depeche mode. Like you get all yeah. these vibes of the stuff that these guys are like, you know, skateboarding to, or, you know, walking down the street in California listening to when they were kids. And it's nice to have them tapping into some of those resources and just yeah. seeing what come through the Deftones channel, seeing what comes of it. For sure. For, for, for my money, their version of simple man. Oh, uh, and I'm about, I'm about to say some musical blasphemy, but Trump's the credence original. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. And then my final remarks, you know, uh, or, or or also Night Boat is probably my favorite cover of them, which I believe oh, yeah. is a Duran Duran song. Yeah. Um. Uh. I might be wrong, but I think that is. But um. I think you know. Yeah. The Deftones they have like such a lasting legacy, and their songs they all sound the same in some strange you know stylistic way. That is the Deftones, but also there's so much to explore within yeah. every one of their albums, and there's at least. At the very least, there's three good tracks on a Deftones album. So if you're not a fan, have never been a fan, or just kind of been kind of a fan, I think right now is the best time to explore what they're doing because Gore 
Gore has really stuck with me um, and and changed my mind since my kind of knee jerk reaction from it. So I mean, Deftones for life. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, moving on. Um, uh, I wanted to talk about an album with Maddie that I thought was really pretty good. Um, underappreciated in my under. Uh, it was an underappreciated and untalked about album. Um, uh, it's the album Anti Mask by Cedric Bixler Zavala and Omar A. Rodriguez of the Mars Volta and At the Drive-In fame. Yeah. Um, I really, I really, I I was anticipating the album when I heard about it. Um, for listeners, uh, the album is, um, it was recorded in Fleas of Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, fame. It was recorded in Fleas recording studio, his home studio. Um, I don't know who the drummer is on this album. The name escapes me, but he's fantastic. Uh, Fleas bass work is amazing. And, um, I think this album uh, is just like, it's just a sleeper kind of thing. It's not great. I don't think it's a great album, but what they did with it was like, it's somewhere before it's like what I imagine at the drive-in was when it was just Omar and Cedric and maybe like a drummer from down the street and, and a friend of theirs who thought he could play bass. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's really kind of fun. It's really, it's really like just rock and roll. Um, um, I don't know. I I, I got to comp- compose my thoughts. Uh, what did you think about it, Maddie? Um, I I loved it. Um, this is I was trying to think of albums it reminded me of, and it um, it really brings a lot of my chemical romance. Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, which I think is a great pop rock record. I don't care I, what anyone says. I've heard that. I, yeah. I think it's just really great pop hooks. Like the songs don't really mean anything. It's modern relationship bullshit. <laughs> but I just love it. I just think it sound, it's like overproduced and it's just like, it's a good rock record to me, man. And I will stand by that. I don't think anything else they've done past it or before <laughs> it is as good, but you know, um, but yeah. listening to this, it's kind of like, I kind of compare it to like refuse shape of punk to come. That oh, record yeah. came out and blew people away. They broke up. And then the lead singer and probably some other members of refuse started international noise conspiracy, which was a more fun, hip kind of jazz influenced yeah, poppy rock band. And this is what anti-mask is for me. Um, yeah. It reminds me a lot of survival sickness. It's like I like where I work, I have to do uh, I put clothing on hangers and like censor them. And uh-huh. sometimes I'm by myself. And I put this when Stefan was like, you need to listen to this. I was like, all right, I'll put it on and I will be dancing back there. People are like, what are you listening to? And I was like, Oh, the guys from Mars Volta. They're like, what's Mars Volta? I was like, get out of my face. Um, you know, uh, I just felt like for them to go from like at the drive in like relationship of command was such a big fucking album. I, I remember yeah. just picking up that CD and not realizing what they, who they were and being blown away by that CD, just artwork alone. I just bought it. There's just like a feeling. And I was like, you got to go for it, man. Yep. Um, and then they broke up. Um, and then it was like, Mars Volta, which I enjoyed, and Sparta I also enjoy. I, I definitely think they're good and bad albums out of both of those bands. Definitely. But I feel like this is what Cedric and Omar needed to do to maybe, you know, because they're backing at the drive-in yeah. now. Maybe maybe we'll get something new yeah. from them. Um, but I feel like maybe they needed to do something that wasn't so them. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's, that's exactly I mean, what it seems like. And I, I think it's probably some of my favorite guitar playing by him. It's just oh, these, yeah just these poppy hooks and just like, yeah. and even it does have some, there are moments in some of these songs that has some of that weirdness to it, but it's like restrained. 
Yeah, they they, they kind of they kind of hone in on on a certain type of sound. They're like, let's just do let's just do minor chord rock songs and have some fun, and yeah. and, and um, you know, and like just do something like dancey and fun, which I think it is that as much as it's it's there's a lot there's a lot more to it, and only if you want, like only if you're going looking for it. Yeah. Um, I I think this is I think these are some of the best lyrics that uh, Cedric has written. Um, mostly because uh, his lyrics in Mars Volta and at the drive-in have always been so cryptic Mm -hmm. Um, at the drive-in, like the emotions made a lot more sense with the imagery he is presenting. But I think for a lot of people, Mars Volta, the lyrics seemed just way too out there or way too nonsensical to, to be able to grasp onto a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I'm an I'm an avid diehard uh, Mars Volta fan. I love every album, yeah. um, but 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 for different reasons. And certain and certain certain albums are not listened to as much as others. Yeah, um, we'll do a we'll do a short little Mars Volta recap. Uh, uh, Deloused uh, in the Comatorium was the album that kind of really brought him on the scene. And I think anybody who knows anything about Mars Volta or anybody who likes Mars Volta will generally jump at saying Deloused is the best album being their first album. Mm-hmm. I think it's true from a lot of production standpoints, but I also feel deep down that Francis the Mute is probably the best compilation of music that they've ever put together, even though it seems like a lot of it is filler. Um, and then albums after that, there was always just kind of like choice little gems and stuff, but I do my favorite album and not that I think it's the best one, but my personal favorite album is Bedlam and Goliath. Um, it kind of, it kind of has that similar kind of, um, it's grown on me in the same way that, you know, we were just talking about Deftones gore. It grew on me the kind of same way, um, and really stuck. Uh, so anti-mask, um, is, has been, kind of a little adventure for me and and the tracks are just like you can jump from one to the next and they all kind of have a different feel but a same same kind of you know it still comes from at the drive-in it still comes from that mars volta kind of vibe yeah uh i there there's also a lot of uh things i noticed there's like a lot of their i feel like there's a lot of their musical influence on here like uh drown all your witches is totally like zeppelin inspired it's like it's crazy you just hear that opening guitar part and you're Oh, there's some Zeppelin going on there. Did I already drink it? Oh, sorry. I uh, was talking to a friend. <laughs> I just went away. But um, uh, what was the last thing you said? Uh, I was just saying that there's a lot of like, the, I feel like there's a lot of like their musical influences that maybe not come at, that don't come out in the Mars Volta or at the drive-in. But like Drown yeah. All Your Witches is definitely like Zeppelin love song. Like it just, yeah. when I hear that guitar, that acoustic guitar come in, I'm just like, oh my God, dude, it was like Ze- Zeppelin ripoff. But I love it. It's so good. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the only it song is- I don't like is 50,000 Kilowatts, man. I just like cannot yeah. get into it. I think it's their worst 50, song. Kil- <laughs> 50,000 Kilowatts is some, like, to me, it's like the like hippiest sounding kind of track i'm just like what you know like i've known these guys to go to far weirder landscapes than what seems like just like a road trip to the mountains for a festival for the weekend yeah 
you know what I mean? It seemed yeah. to me that one just like, you know, like little hippie girls dancing around to whatever, you know, I think I know, that's, I don't want it. it's very, you know what, it's very jam. It gets to like a jam bandy kind of vibe yeah. for me. I just, I really don't like that track either. Um, um, my favorite tracks on there are right from the beginning, 4am, like the, the, it's just like these crunchy little bite-sized riffs that are just so, they go down so easy. Um, and I really love, uh, the track after that is called, um, oh, what the fuck is it called? It's got a great, Uh, I got no remorse. I got no remorse. Yeah. That track like it's got these choice little lines and i'll look at the lyrics coming up through um spotify i have like a the music match app so you can so you can see the lyrics and i'm just like well that doesn't make sense with that and that doesn't make sense with that but that's a great line and that's a great line and some of the you know like cedric is in in some ways kind of like the little wayne of of indie post-punk rock because like some some of the things that he says you're just like what the fuck and then the the line after that is like so profound somehow um i really my favorite track on the entire album is memento mori i feel like there's really a lot of emotional content there that you can latch on to and and just the writing of it is the poetry of it you know it's like these were probably not intended to be songs when he first wrote them and you know or it feels that way you know it's just like poetry that he wrote at some point in time and they're just like well we got to fucking turn out a new record and you know everybody hates mars volta and at the drive-in isn't happening so anti-mask needs to happen so let's make it good and and you know i was really my first listen to this album the first listen i was like this sucks (laughs) i was like it's stupid whatever and then it took me a really long time to get back to it but then i listened to it again and that second listen was like a whole different record yeah it's when you told me to listen to it i was kind of like just i forget what your description was but i was skeptical from your description and so i was like all right i'll just buy it on itunes give it a go and first track 4am love it i will do a little shout out to mark wetzel of blaine Blaine fonda our friend i definitely feel like uh, they're channeling a little bit of his uh vocal stylings there Uh, i always hear just the way presents his <laughs> i had that exact same thought dude no, no. <laughs> definitely i was like i was like that they must have at some point heard blaine fonda yeah, double shout out double yeah, shout right. out uh, our, uh guys we went to school with dan lou mark wetzel um we both lived in chicago together maddie and i and that's where blaine fonda was created and and these are some guys we went to school with and just like if you if you have uh, the means definitely check them out. I think they're actually on Spotify. Yeah, um, I think they're. Um, their stuff is great, you know. And the band they were in before Technicolor Stallion. Anyway, um, oh, but, but I totally, yeah. I, I totally got that vibe on 4 a.m. because because you know it's like it's very rare for us to hear Cedric sing in like a deeper tone. Yeah. Uh, of his voice, and it definitely it was reminiscent. Well, it was just it was something different, and 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 anti-mask being as much of a different album as it is from at the drive-in or, or mars volta albums um it kind of makes sense that they're starting right off the bat with with a, a kind of a, a, a fresh sound yeah uh i I'm, i was really just blown away by it. i definitely i think his vocal stylings on this are probably some of my favorite um 
I mean, I think Mars Volta definitely has sound and so does at the drive-in, but I just really liked hearing his range because you don't really get that much of it. Cause I mean, at the drive-in is kind of like a screamo kind of band. And then you get like Mars Volta, which is, you know, like the, you know, just weird weirdness. But uh, I just, I felt like his vocal stylings on this one are just, uh, they're just really good. And I didn't realize how much of a, range he had and to hear him hit some of those deep notes and just kind of go back up high again is just like i just loved it man it just it just i'm you know i'm glad yeah. they did this it just kind of shows what kind of musicians they are and that they're very talented yeah. and i think you get yeah. that a lot with mars volta but there's also a lot of pretentiousness with mars volta i feel yeah and it was kind of it's kind of rock record is kind of nice because this is just like a solid yeah. rock record i mean i think you could probably cut off like two three tracks off this record and make it like a solid album but for the most yeah. part, I, I enjoy it. Uh, Ride Like the Devil's Son is probably my favorite song on here. Oh, um, yeah. like, And that's what I'm saying. Like, Really take a look at the lyrics of, of this album because some of the lyrics, especially in those first few songs, are just so strong. Um, yeah. One of, I got one no of my favorites. Good. I, I got no remorse is great. My, one of my other favorites is a track called In the Lurch. Yeah. Um, and, and the bridge to that song is the lyrics are um if you're a fatalist by admission uh, but you're trapped in a web of denial um the only way to what is it if you're if you're a fatalist by admission and tangled in a web of denial the only way to something something is go to the source of the fire or something like yeah. they're so they're so profoundly written just these small chunks you know it's not the whole song some of it loses you and like that doesn't really make sense but it's these small chunks within each song that stick out. And it's, you know, it's that it's, it's kind of why I've always loved Mars Volta or why I've loved uh, at the drive-in is because they're, they're not really playing with a relatable story or sequence of events. You know, they're playing with imagery or Cedric is anyway, lyrically. Yeah. Um, and, and the imagery has always been very distinct for, for these two musicians and the bands that they have made. Uh, that's one thing I like about uh, at least at the drive-in um, I'm more familiar with like their albums is there are those like hooks or the choruses or just the lines that I'm just like man that's some profound shit I don't know what he said after that because I'm not him but that like I love those little pieces that he kind of throws out just to I don't know man they're they're interesting yeah. dudes and I think all their music should be heard I think they are probably should have been yeah. bigger uh, I would love they kind of I think this would be a great live band to see. I would love to see like both of them up there, oh, Flea just oh, dancing yeah. around, having a great yeah. time. Uh, I I, re I really I really for a while after I saw the album was looking constantly to see if they were touring, and it was just kind of a one-off thing. Yeah. So, you know, because it really didn't make much money, and it and I I heard I didn't hear anybody talk about it until I finally listened to it. So it's just going to be one of those things that uh, you know that they did at one point which you know it's it's just like a little diamond in the rough uh kind of kind of album i i highly recommend it um to anybody who's liked either of those bands and i think there there definitely is a lot of pretension with what they do but if you're able to separate your perception of a, what an artist is like personally and just take their music for face value yeah. i think it's a lot more rewarding yeah Cause people because then fucking musicians are nuts <laughs> yeah I, I would definitely like to see like an anti-mask 2 like 
five, oh, six, too. seven years oh, later. Just to, I would love it. I hope if you guys are listening, Omar and Cedric, if this gets to you somehow, please, yes, do more and thank you for at least doing anti-mask. Like, I was just like, just, you know, this, because I knew right from first listen that it was going to be underappreciated. Yeah. But, you know, if this ever means any goddamn thing, this particular episode, you guys did a good job on anti-mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like this will be an album that, you know, like we're into it now and then years will go by and they'll do like a record. <laughs> uh, they'll do like a record release of it or something. <laughs> yeah, and then, some, some, and then people will pick it up yeah. and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I mean, Seth, we're on that shit. Like, here's the, <laughs> here's the podcast we did on that. You know, uh, some, I, some teenager is going to walk up to me with an anti-mask shirt on and I'm going to be like, you know what? Fuck you, buddy. And walk yeah. away. <laughs> you're gonna rip it off yeah. but but anyway so um i think we probably should wrap it up uh sure. that was gore and anti-mask two albums that i think we really enjoyed and and you know i think a lot of that conversation kind of r- reflected similar themes with both these albums um mm-hmm. along along with this particular episode uh we this is the first of of camera noise that we've done in about four years uh, since Maddie and I lived in Chicago together. Um, so definitely uh, every piece of art and and uh, possibly every person you meet deserves a second look, wouldn't you say, Maddie? Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> just, you can't, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's always good. There's, if you have an itch in you somewhere that says, maybe I should revisit this or there's something yeah. like they saw or a part of something, it's always good to go back and revisit. You might find something you really like in it and you could have been just riding the wave of hate or, you know, For whatever. Sure. Um, but yeah, just go back to that stuff. Uh, maybe you didn't find any meaning in it in that go around, but that doesn't mean you won't in the second go around. And I'm a firm believer in that, that, you know, most stuff gets needs a second chance. So, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, before we head out, are there any uh, recommendations of stuff you're listening to right now that you'd like to, pass on to our listeners uh i've just been listening to a lot of converge lately and uh, this band called jesuit which is pretty sweet and they're just like kind of hardcore bands um but yeah i mean if you're into that if you haven't heard converge i'm a huge fan and jesuit's pretty sweet if you're kind of just looking for something something different that's older to listen to um yeah i I don't know man (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Uh, 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 I have a couple. Um, uh, the album Pom Pom by Ariel Pink has been in heavy rotation in my Spotify. Really strange album. Not the biggest fan of uh, Ariel Pink's Haunted Graffiti, but I also haven't given it much of a chance. But I kind of like his solo weirdness on its own. Um, and then... Uh, there's a uh, DJ, I think, uh, is just one guy. I'm not sure. I don't know much about it yet, but Perturbator is the name of this person. Um, so far, there are three albums. The newest album uh, just came out, um, and it is called, hold on, I'm pulling it up. It's called I Am The Night. Really great, like, electronic, kind of goth, dark, dancey, um, um just kind of a, I don't know what it would be called, but it's a really cool album. It's kind of like an eighties cyborg movie soundtrack, but there's a lot going for it. (laughs) 
Oh, uh, I will also say check out John Carpenter's Lost Themes too. And if you haven't heard yes. Lost Themes one, yes. they're both great. Uh, just for a guy who is old as John Carpenter is making some kick-ass like '80s synthy stuff, it's fucking yes. great, man. Yes, uh, definitely, should... definitely an album that deserves uh, its own episode. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. We should definitely do a two-part <laughs> on both of those. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, um, well, right on. Uh, this has been Camera Noise. This is Reboot Episode 01. Uh, please join us. Please join us uh, for following episodes as we'll be discussing more geeky film news and uh, albums that we're into. Uh, I'm Stefan from Denver. I'm Maddie from Cincinnati. Peace out. Have a good one, guys. Bye. <laughs>